The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, listeners, before we get started with today's episode of Bench with Bubba, special promotion for you. If you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports and live for the short-term gratification of DFS, then you have to try out weekly fantasy sports on OwnerBox. Head on over to rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today. Weekly fantasy sports is the best of daily and season long. It keeps you engaged through live drafting and new multi-week games. Owner's Box will be paying out users who bring their friends on board. Watch the real money rewards pile up through the first ever three-tiered referral system. Add friends, create groups, and rank to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. But that's not it. Owner's Box will be matching your first-time deposit of up to $100. Just head on over to www.rotoballer.com backslash box and sign up today to claim your $100 bonus and join the new wave of weekly fantasy sports. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 59. We're keep going around the diamond here with our too early for uh, positional previews for the Fantasy Baseball 2021 season. Going to second base tonight, going top 10 NFBC Draft Champions ADP from November 1st on. Go with some later round targets and some listener questions, as always, for the wonderful second base position. So it should be an absolute doozy. You can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick and my co-host, as always, on this endeavor, on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Toby, how we doing, man? Baba, we are doing well, I think. I'm really I'm excited about Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. fortunate enough to have the day off and the day after that off, so I could really use a, a little bit of a, a breather right here. So I'm excited about it. But who am I kidding? I, I, I just want to be able to draft fantasy baseball teams. I started my first draft of the year. I was going to wait till Thanksgiving, and then I was like, well, I want to be doing it during Thanksgiving, so mm-hmm. let's, let's, let's rock. So I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well, too. I started my first one, uh, might be a week ago now, give or take, uh, at NFC, NFC 50s. So you're doing a draft and holds. I saw that, uh, the uh, 150. I'm doing the NFC 50s. Mason's in it. 
and some other people from FWFB and then some other people I don't know. But uh, that's been quite interesting as well during the uh, the whole – it's fun to get to learn the player pool some more, even though we already have a good gist on it. But like we're in around 28 now, and it's starting to get uh, – like I drafted Evan Rios in around 25, going, okay, I can get another third baseman later to, to make it fun. But since it's a draft and hold, we'll see what Evan Rios has later. Stuff like that where you kind of change things up a bit. It's been kind of interesting to see. I want to see how it all plays out in the end, though. That's mm. for sure. Yeah, yeah, I actually did something I've never done before in this, which I, I created like a target spreadsheet, and mm-hmm. I essentially put all the rounds and the pick ranges, and then I went position by position wh- who are the guys that I like just to see like where are the pockets of each position that I like. And it's been kind of helpful to have that a little bit. So um, I don't know, trying new things in the new season, it's fun. Nice. Yeah. One thing I know, and I didn't do the pocket program like you're talking about, but the outfield is very, very deep, much, much deeper than it's been in the past. It feels like like it is crazy deep, crazy deep. Um, like I grabbed a couple guys early and then every time I come back to my pick, I'm like, well, this outfielder is awesome. Like I want this guy, but then I'm like, well, there's all these other guys going like Andrew McCutcheon's going like around 20 or something. It's just, there's, there's stuff that goes, there's still a lot on the board to begin with, but it, it's going to be fun doing multiple drafts, kind of getting different strategies and play for the big boy stuff come, you know, March. Because looking at the player plug, like outfield's deep. We talked first base is kind of weirdly deep mm-hmm. last week. Yeah. Um, we're going to get through that in a couple other positions as we go around. So obviously, shortstop's going to be a 45-hour uh, podcast because there's so many of them. But um, We'll make it 46, Bubba, because we only bring – we go the deep. Best. The best. We're as deep as outfield is. Yes. Yes, we are. But uh, we'll get to that in coming weeks. We'll do second base tonight. But uh, beforehand, let's talk about it real quick. For those that are living under a rock, this week on CBS Fantasy Baseball is Bubba the Bat Flip Week. So I was on the Monday show. Toby actually recorded right before this. So it'll be coming out for you on Wednesday. So um, thoughts? I mean, I was flattered. I was flattered because I was invited, and but I didn't know that you were invited. And then – then I think it was like, I reached out to you and I was like, hey, are we still doing Sundays? Are we doing Tuesdays? And you were like, oh, well, we're going to do Tuesday, remember? And I have something booked already on Sunday. And and they, Frank had asked if I could do it on Tuesday. And I was like, well, I got the Tuesday at 8.30. And, you know, we moved it around, so I didn't want to switch it, but we could do it at 7. So it was funny. And then I found out it was you. And then I listened to the podcast, which was excellent. And then I learned that there's like a Bubba in the Bat Flip week on the biggest podcast in fantasy baseball industry who knew crazy yeah who knew who knew these guys us who who figured but uh, our listeners yeah the listeners we're bringing the best content that's what i'm gonna do all the time i can't even remember which fingers go in which direction we're just gonna point at you guys as listeners we're just gonna point all of you guys all of you uh yeah no but it was it was awesome it was fun it was like i was flattered like frank reached out like Frank reached out probably a few weeks ago to see if I'd even be available. I said, yeah, I think I can make it work. Just let me know when. Just let me know <laughs> when. Just my yes. Yeah, I, yeah I think I can make Absolutely. CBS work. Um, and then uh, when he mentioned uh, – because I, I laughed because he hit me up all – as a matter of fact, Sundays are open for me now. And then, then you texted me like two hours later. I'm just laughing going, okay, I know what's going on now. <laughs> see, you're, but, you're, you're smarter than me. You figured it out. And I was like – I was like, oh, uh. So. Uh, but there's a little behind the, the curtains for the listeners out there. And in reality, the reason why I want to bring it up is this wouldn't have happened without you guys listening to this show. So sure. we appreciate that very, very much. So we got to kind of do a little bucket list stuff for ourselves because of you guys. So thank you along those lines. 
And one shameless plug for the Bench with Boba podcast. If you guys listen to this Friday's episode, I will have an announcement for a special December giveaway thing I will be working on. So Very cool. Check that and out. You, um, yeah. And I'm going to say, if people are listening to this on my feed, on the Bath of Crazy feed, because we put it out on separate feeds, listen to Bench with Bubba. Bubba's always got great. He's an amazing podcast personality. And he's always got great content on there. He's always got great guests on there. And he gives a lot of people who maybe don't have, um, haven't had a chance to do a podcast. He was the first person to have me on it as a podcast. So definitely listen uh, over there to the podcasts that are happening. Um, well, thank you much. Fantastic. Thank you much. Yeah, it's going to be a, another fun 2021 season. So I'm looking forward to it. But let's just, uh, we could probably go off on rambling tangents because I think we both don't want to talk second base. But uh, let's talk second base. Let's get into it. Uh, we'll do it the same kind of uh, format we've done at the other positions. We'll, we'll run through it. And on the bright side, we've already talked about the number one guy. So we're going to do the top ten. Again, NFBC, draft champions, since November 1st. And number one guy, because he's got multi-position eligibility at first, second, and third. And we'll probably talk about him at third base in a couple weeks. Is DJ LeMahieu, who's still a free agent. Uh, we talked about him a lot last week. Did you have anything else you wanted to mention on him besides he's got a great batting average and we have to kind of see where he plays and stuff like that? Well, you know, I've thought a lot about it, Bebba, since our last podcast, <laughs> and I still have no idea why he's going where he's going. Why is he going in the top 30 picks? No idea. Um, I mean, again, like if he signed with the Yankees, then I think it's all right. But just to give you a sense, he has 36 home runs in the last two seasons with the Yankees. 27 of them are at home. So outside of Yankee Stadium, he has hit nine home runs in about three quarters of a season. So if he's not really getting you a ton of stolen bases and he's not really going to get you a ton of home runs if he doesn't end up in Yankee Stadium, I'd be waiting at least until he resigns with the Yankees. And if he doesn't resign with the Yankees, then let somebody else take JT or Oh, man, what's on your oh, brain? Oh, oh no. The biggest Freudian slip ever. <laughs> Whatever. These guys that have like... DJ, JT, whatever. No offense to any of you who have names like that. Oh, yeah. No, I, I just don't – like, we love him as a player. It was fun when he was going where he was going last year, which was still kind of high at times. But, you know, end of round two right now, 27.67, so 27 to 30 overall. And there's been a lot of moving since I started looking at ADPs like a month ago. Like, Alberto Montesi's going right behind before him. That's bananas to me. Like, other bats I just wanted to mention. Right right behind LeMahieu at 30s, Ozzy – or. Uh, Lou Bob, then you have Ozzy Albies we're going to talk about here in a minute, Kyle Tucker, those are some guys going after him. It's a weird range of uh, bats at that point in time. A lot of pitchers going there as well. Obviously, if you're double dipping or if you get a, one of the big bats early, you're probably going pitcher late uh, second round as well. The way the formats are going, the way pitchers are flying out the board. So seeing LeMahieu go where he's going is, is, is pretty crazy. Like I'm going to do something real quick here thanks to the wonderful search tool. Um, using just utility alone, LeMayhew is the 18th batter off the board. Let's just put it that way. First, second baseman, 18th hitter off the board. He's the uh, third first baseman off the board. Sec- first, second baseman off the board. That's a little rich. A little rich for me. That's all I'm going to say. So, and uh, nothing, we love, we love DJ, DJ LeMayhew. You know, he's a great guy. The batting average is great. The runs are great. But yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But uh, our, 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 a listener of the show, Breaking Ben underscore T, he sets us up here for the second guy off the board, and he's my number one second baseman on my rankings I released, and that's Ozzy Albies. And again, he's going about four picks after DJ right, right now. And again, he's he could be a steep price for some. It's just what we're also seeing. The reason these second basemen are boosted up is they are 
four to five category contributors at a very bad position. So you're kind of paying a premium due to the bad position. That's the argument you can make. I have Ozzy Albies one. What's your thoughts on Ozzy Albies? He's the second um, second baseman off the board around pick 30. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, he's my number one second baseman as well. I really like Albies a lot. I mean, it's hard to imagine, but he's still, he's not even 24 yet. You know, he's going to be 24 by the time the season starts, but he's still super young. He's in an absolutely fantastic position. I think obviously this past year was a little bit of a disappointment because of the injury, but it's the first time that he's really missed significant time. I mean, he had 702 plate appearances in 19. He had 684 in 2018. Um, He seems to progress every single year. I think that he'll end up, um, you know, in the, in the top part of that lineup um, this year. I think if he, if he ends up anywhere between one and five, I think, you know, it's, it's gravy because obviously one would buy the ideal tons of runs, plate appearances, stolen bases, but even at five, with the weaker back end of that lineup, although it's not even that weak, you know, maybe there's more stolen bases there, RBI to go up. So any way you look at it, I really love Albie's five-category contributor. You know, don't love the second base position, as you mentioned before. I mean, I definitely think there's good good players there, but um, really uh, love Albie's. I mean, it's a little bit of a stretch where he's going. Like, I think it's really hard for him to return value here unless he really hits the top end of his projection, you know, but I do think that 30-20 is a possibility for him um, at some point in his career. I imagine he'll do something like that, which would be absolutely fantastic. So again, you know, he's fine where he's going right now from a value perspective, but definitely the top first baseman, I think for me. Yeah, no, he's definitely a top second base position for me as well. The injuries stunk, but still in 29 games, he's hitting six homers and stealing three bags of saw the bad averages there the whole time around. And, and all the other stats, they lined up pretty well with career numbers. And that's, Without, I guess the biggest non-career number we saw with him, strike, striking out twenty-four percent of the time, up eight percent from two thousand nineteen. Um, his high before that was seventeen percent in two thousand eighteen. So striking out a lot more and walking a lot less was interesting because he still solid batting average. Did the other things we talked about. Um, Steamer has him at two seventy-seven, twenty-six and fourteen, um, eighty-eight and eighty-four. So definitely a still five-category guy. And you mentioned that probably goes up even more if he moves up in the batting order, which should be. I would hope in the cards for these guys, um, you know, hard hit rate dropped last year. I, I'd imagine that can be credited to the the injury as well. So there's a lot I like about Ozzy Albies. You mentioned he's young. I agree with you. I think there's 30, 20 upside with him. And if he does that at the second base position, that's just elite type production. Um, I got him in the third round at pick 3.4 in that uh, NFBC 50 I've been doing right now. I'm a big, big Ozzy Albies fan. I figured in a, in a draft and hold, if I don't have to worry about, Filling in with a bunch of filler second basements later on, I'll be very happy with that. So um, getting Ozzy Ozzie Owies is a priority of mine, and it happened. And I'll probably be trying to do getting him or this next guy as much as possible in drafts. Yeah, he uh, in my draft, he went thir- pick 37. The latest yeah. he's gone, and I was pick 38. Oh, was man, like, you almost are, got the like, gift. Are you, are you kidding me? This is going to happen? But then, you would, happen? But, but then you would have to, to decide, Ozzy or JT. I would have gone Ozzy. Because I know I'm going to get plenty of JTR throughout the season, right? But Ozzy in the third round is just good. You know, it would have been beautiful. But all right, the the third second baseman though, this is kind of I want to get Ozzy or this guy. It's pretty much what it comes down to. If I don't, it might be a waiting game for quite some time. Uh, And that is Whit Merrifield going to pick 40 overall, second base outfield eligible, which is an interesting twist. You probably won't use him in the outfield very much. But then I said that last year, I'm pretty sure I actually ended up using him at times. 
in the outfield just because he can hit for average, a little bit of pop, strong stolen base game, much better than I think a lot of people give him credit for, which is uh, really nice with Witt. So what do you think on uh, Witt going third, second baseman, pick 40? Yeah, I mean, boy, um, boy, was I wrong on Witt last year. I mean, I was like, you know, I thought it was time to get out. Um, he did really well. I mean, I like him again, you know, the stolen bases is the key. If he's able to maintain that stolen bases with the contact rate that he has, you know, he's going to have a very good batting average. I mean, this year, his contact rate actually went up, you know, about 4%. So 85.5%, which is just, you know, it's sickening. It's, it's ridiculously good. Um, his Babbitt was lower than it's ever been in his career, but he still provided 282. The stolen bases were there, a little bit more pop than he usually does. And I think the Royals lineup, while it isn't necessarily like from a baseball perspective, it doesn't have a ton of good OBP guys. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, you know, when you have Witt there, when you have Adalberto Mondesi, when you have a healthy Soler, when you have Sal Perez there, right? The front end of that lineup is not, you know, it's not the best in baseball, but it certainly, you know, has has a, has a some fantasy contribution potential. Fantasy contributing percent. <laughs> It's a new, it's a new metric I'm working on. Uh, look out for it. Um, FCP. Yeah, exactly. And so again, you, you know, there's going to be that season when the stolen bases dry up. You hope it's not this year, but it was very encouraging last year. 12 stolen bases in, you know, essentially a third of a season is, is tremendous. Yeah. That, that's the biggest thing for me is he has just enough pop, pop to keep him relevant. You know, 16 homers last year, steamer hasn't projected for 16. I could see 15 plus that seems reasonable. For Whit Merrifield, um, doesn't strike out a ton. He dropped it to twelve point five percent this past year. That was uh, his lowest of his career. That's outstanding, and he was being more aggressive in the count when you look at his Statcast page. First pitch swinging, but then his overall swing rate was the same. So he's doing that very, very well. You mentioned the bat; it was lower than it's pretty much ever been. He was going up the middle a lot more. So that's one thing that will be interesting to watch next year. He's not pulling it nearly as much as he used to, but still very productive from a batting average perspective uh, and get, just getting on base in general. Stealing bags. If we get those walks back up some more, get on base for free, basically, it'll be really nice. But like you said, if he keeps running, that's going to be gold. Steamer's bound for 24 stolen bases. I could see 20 plus with him easily because the sprint speed's still there. Um, he's never been a hard hit guy. So I don't want to hear people say, well, he doesn't barrel. He doesn't, he's never been that guy. He just never has. He's what people want Victor Robles to be. If you look at his overall profile, if Victor Robles could just hit the ball a little more consistently in the air and just consistently, period, barrel wise, hard hit wise. That's what Whit Merrifield is. So um, I, I'm a big fan of him as, as the third guy, and uh, I wouldn't mind going there at all. So that'd be a fun one. Uh, the fourth second baseman is quite a surprise to me that he was this high. Like literally looking at this this uh, top ten reminded me how bad the position is. Like I like Kevin Biggio quite a bit, and it's nice. He's got second base, third base, and outfield eligibility. That's premium. Uh, we've talked about in the past, great for OBP. Batting average has a little more to be desired. His uh, aggressiveness at the plate is a, is a discussion point at times. But pick 54 overall at a shallow position. Thoughts on Kevin Biggio? Yeah, I mean, I understand why people want to grab him here. Um, you know, the stolen base home run potential is is excellent. Um, I think it's a, little, it's, it's a little soon for me, though. I mean, I think I've kind of talked before about how I have some concerns you know, he's very patient. So in OBP, he's awesome. But I really do think that he's a very low batting average guy. Um, you know, even this year, he hit 250, but his expected batting average was 215. Um, you know, so there was some luck involved there. We saw the barrel rate decline as well. Exit velocity declined. 
you know, I highlighted this, I think on, I don't know if it's every time we talk about him, but his max exit velocity in two full seasons, his maximum exit velocity is 104.6 miles per hour. Like if you talk about, you know, Alex um, Chamberlain's article about max exit velo and how that's a sign of, you know, maybe some potential or some unearthed potential that a guy might have. It's the opposite with Biggio, you know, Um, he's relying on pulled fly balls for home runs, which, you know, again, you know, he's been able to do fairly consistently, but when you look at what he was able to produce last year, you know, if you, if you extrapolate that out to, um, you know, to, uh, to 600, 600 plate appearances, you know, for a full season, you know, it's solid, but I don't know if I want to pay for that at this particular point, like 20 home runs, 14 stolen base, 21 home runs and 14 stolen bases and 663 plate appearances is the projection with a 237 batting average. Like that's essentially Tommy Pham or Ramon Laureano going, you know, after pick 100. So, you know, I think there's better options at second base that will bring you more value. And I just think that the ceiling's capped a little bit on Biggio based on, you know, the, you know, just the, the batted ball data is not great. Yeah. He's a tough one for me. Cause I, I like, the baby Blue Jays, he's leading off for the baby Blue Jays. So if you can walk, the runs are going to be there. Stolen bases will be there. Like, it's all fun and dandy. But, um, yeah, you mentioned a lot of the, the hard hit rates, the exit velocities, the barrels. All that stuff is very concerning to me. If he gets that figured out, it would be great. We, I think we've said that pretty much, like you said, every time we talk about him. But leading off gives you a little to be desired. I still can't take him at this point in the draft. Like, I looked at my second base rankings. I have him 10th at second base. And that might be a little too rough on the kid, but this is a, we're at the point of the second base where you can make arguments for a lot of guys to move move around here. Like the top three are the top three, and then it just kind of gets what what tickles your fancy today. And uh, Kevin Biggio, I got tenth just for the fact that I'm concerned if say he stops walking as much as he does, that bad average risk, he's going to do nothing for you, and that that's a really scary predicament. I don't think he's going to stop walking because he's proven he's got that discipline throughout his entire career. But something to keep in mind if you want to play devil's advocate uh, somewhere along the way. All right. The fifth second baseman off the board, second base outfield eligible. We we knew he was going to get quite the hike. You know, two years ago was one of the rookie of the year finalists for the Rays. This last year had another amazing year. Both season was so-so. Still a monster season. We're talking Brandon Lau, fifth second baseman off the board. Pick 71. I understand how good he is, some power, some speed, a little bit of everything. I don't know about you, Toby. I can't stomach him at pick 71, but maybe that's just me kind of with blinders on at times. What's your thoughts on Brandon Lowe? Yeah, I just don't like the profile here. I mean, it's a high variance profile, a lot of swing and miss. Obviously, the guy can make – he can hit the ball. He can hit the ball really hard. But, you know, that's the calling card is that that power. And I'm just not sure that I want to pay up that much for this. With his current approach, the batting average is capped. He doesn't have a ton of speed to offer either. Um, and yeah, I just don't, I don't see, I don't see it here um, for Lau. I just don't think there's enough consistency yet in the profile for me to go after him at this, at this point in time. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to hang off. And we saw that like this year, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. killed it starting off and then during the playoffs and end of the year, it was just, it was brutal. Um, and that's what is that's what it's going to be like owning him. And and while I don't mind doing that when he's going at like pick one eighty like he was last year, I actually minded it last year. But 
Like I wouldn't mind that this year. I think it's a little much to go for him right now because you can get that same type of power with that same type of batting average with maybe even a little bit more speed later on in the draft. So I'd really rather prioritize other people at that point. Yeah. He's like a fourth or fifth outfielder profile <laughs> later in the draft. So it's tough. To, it's tough to go reaching right there. Good ball player, fun to root for, but and like you said, he hits the ball extremely hard. It's crazy when you look at his, his stack as metrics. You know, seventeen point five percent barrel this year, sixteen point three last year, forty three percent hard hit rate for the little guy. Really impressive. Doesn't strike out too much, I guess. Twenty six percent is not great, but not bad. Walks over eleven percent of the time. Those are all nice. It's just I'm with you. The overall profile has a lot to be desired. The aggressiveness of the plate went down this last year. Contact rate uh, dropped. Well, it was, it was the same as last year. It was still lower than you'd like at this point in the draft. So I'm with you. It's not something I'm running to get to. And, like you know, in reality, there's not as much power from his teammate, but you get more stolen bases and probably a better batting average. And you can probably take him – let me just do the quick uh, search here because I'm really curious now that this uh, – Who are you for? Joey Wendell goes a big 301. Mm-hmm. And that's his teammate who doesn't have as so much power – but if you look at the grand scale, like I, I just took him in a draft in that draft. So you're just uh, trying to pump yourself up for that draft. Pick. No, I'm just trying to convince myself it was a good pick. But um, you know, he doesn't have as much power, but he has stolen base, a little bit better batting average. If you want to wait that long, you can get certain things here and there. I guess Lau's better. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say that, but the profile can be found at other points in your draft, and like you said, and that's something that really needs to sink in. And I'd rather take a chance if you're going to go up pick 71 for second baseman. Why don't you take the sixth second baseman off the board at pick 74, Keston Hira, who's been a mess. I'll, I'll attest to that. Yeah. It, it, it's been bad. That was that was such a great advertisement for drafting Keston Hira. He's been a mess. But but, but if you want to play the uh, the ceiling card, we know Keston Hira has a massive ceiling. It's a matter of can he start hitting like the fastball a little better potentially and just <laughs> the not fastball in the middle of the strike yeah. zone a little bit there, there's, there's a lot of holes there but it's like the talent it, it's just so weird like we talked about it i talked to james anderson about it i talked with a lot of guys about it that watch prospects and i remember seeing him even in, in college because he'd play down here against cal Poly and davis in the big west the dude was one of the best pure hitters in all of college baseball like history the guy could hit everything and then all of a sudden after his rookie year he forgets how to hit there's something not right maybe in his approach or he did a tweak in mechanics. I don't know, uh, but I'm hoping he figures it out because his overall hit tools, he's very good. He's just in a massive funk right now. So it's one of those, in an overall contest, I'd be tempted to get a share or two of Keston, depending on how many contests you're in, just for the, I know the ceiling could be huge if he figures it out, but massive risk. So what's your thoughts on Keston here? Yeah, before we get on, before I get on to Keston here, I just want to point out that you referred to Brandon Lau as a little guy. I just want, I just want to point that out. Brandon Little Guy Low. Lau. I'm sorry. Right? I, I love that. I love I was like, I never thought of Brandon Lau as a little guy, but I'm, hey. I'm, I'm a really big guy. So uh, there you go. There you go. It's all it's all relative, right? Um, I just I thought that was like the best description of a player I've I've ever heard. So I just wanted to to highlight that. Yeah, I mean, here it's my, uh, it's my, it's my caveman projections. <laughs> the little yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. See, I, you know, I put in little guy into my, uh, into my <laughs> spreadsheet in my tool. I didn't get a dollar value. I don't know what's happening. Something's wrong with the product. You get, you get cents, not dollars. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think, I think you, I mean, you touched on it. I mean, the swing and miss is just massive. I mean, it's just absolutely 
massive. He had the worst in-zone contact rate of any hitter in baseball, 67.9%, right? So we talked about how bad Brandon Lau's contact rate is. Brandon Lau's overall contact rate is the same as Keston Hira's contact rate on pitches inside the zone, right? And it's also, if you look at fastballs inside the zone, I think we looked at this earlier on, fastballs inside the zone for Keston Hira, let me just look here. It's bad. Is, it's 58.7%. So worse than his fast- overall contact. Worse than his overall fastball down the It's literally the worst contact rate in all of baseball. 58.7%. There's not a player in baseball who has a 58.7%. I mean, that's like Joey Gallo is like, are you kidding me? You know? Um, and so, I mean, obviously that's a huge concern, but you also look at the, at the projection and it's 255, 30 home runs, 10 stolen bases. And if he does all those things, the counting stats are going to be there. So again, I think you were right on. The ceiling is great. Um, the floor is also very low. Chances are he probably ends up in the middle and he's still, you know, again, I'd rather maybe take a risk on him in this spot than, than allow because that's the stolen bases are there. The power is similar. Maybe there's a little bit more batting average risk, but we know how batting average risk goes. I mean, the batting averages are going to fluctuate, especially for guys with this type of profile. So um, that for me is, is, you know, I'm probably not going after him um, in the draft just because it's a little risky at this point in time, depending on what my roster looks like ahead of it. You know, and I don't want to take that much of a batting potential batting average suck, um, you know, at this point in the draft, but I can definitely see why people would maintain that interest. And again, he could be so, so good. So, you know, probably not for me, but I can totally understand it. And, and at least you can survive with the home run speed combination. So what I'm hearing with your description there is there's only one place to go and that's up. So that's good. <laughs> but, um, as a guy that we does hit the like, bottom, Baba. Yes, we've hit, hit bottom. bottom. We're at we're at the sixth second baseman. We've already hit rock bottom. Um, <laughs> so we know you're not a Vlad fan. It's one of those though. If he stops hitting more ground balls and maybe he starts elevating the ball more, we could see a ceiling. And then Keston, you you could be playing for a ceiling. If you had to take two, I know you probably don't take either. But if you had to take one of the two. Which one would you rather have? I say them again. Sorry, I was distracted by Justin over here telling me that I'll never get Hira <laughs> because I'm going to draft eight pitchers in Real Muto in the first nine rounds. So Hira or who? Or Vladito. I'd rather have uh, I'd rather have Hira. <laughs> I think I'd rather have Hira. Okay, that's fair. I think probably. I, I mean, it's so tough. I mean, the thing is, the thing that's challenging, I think, is is Hira. You get him, and he does. He has a two twenty batting average. That's hard to overcome. Yeah. Vladito, he's not hurting you anywhere except for speed. So maybe it would be Vladito, but um, it's a good comparison. I'll just I'll just not draft either of them. Yeah, I knew you would. And that's why I said, yeah, you have to. No, that's but um, let's go to the seventh second baseman off the board. I have him as my fourth second baseman off the board because I'm buying a bounce back. He was banged up a lot last year, and I just, I just don't see as, as big a drop-off as we saw last year from Cattell Marte uh, hitting 287 is actually pretty good. We'll take that. Babbitt was lower, um, but uh, he still struck out only 10.8% of the time. That was great. Walk rate dropped a ton. Something to keep in mind. Didn't steal, run at all, but again, banged up. So I'm going to kind of take a grain of solid approach with that. I still think there's a lot of power in that bat. And there's more speed with the solid counting stats elsewhere. So I think I have him at fourth overall. 
He's the seventh second baseman off the board at pick almost 90. How do you view Ketel Marte this year? Are you uh, staying off of him? Yeah, he is. He's a bit of a conundrum for me. Um, it's so hard because he had, you know, career year, right? Don't buy the career year. Not that I don't buy it. I mean, I think it was, it was supported by a lot of things, but regression comes for us all. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just one of these situations where I actually drafted him in my first draft. I got him at pick 84. I want to say, no, that wouldn't make 83 pick 83. And, And I was really debating. I was like, do I go after him? Jeff McNeil actually went before he did. Um, Brian Slack, friend of the pod, um, drafted uh, McNeil a couple picks beforehand. And I was thinking, like, do I go McNeil? Do I go um, Do I go Cattell Marte right here? Um, or do I wait and, and get Altuve coming back around? around? And I think that's a conversation I'm going to have a lot. And that's kind of a little bit of my approach to second base right here. Marte's profile is, is really stellar, you know, um, the contact rate was still great last year. Um, there's some, there's stuff going on in the chat. I don't know what's going on in the chat over here, but um, uh, there's um, uh, the the contact rate was excellent. He didn't lose that at all. The the approach at the plate was still really solid. So there's that that high floor that I really like. The batting average is going to be good. I think it's really difficult for him not to have a good batting average. So the question is, do you think the batted ball quality is going to come back? And I think, I think it will. I mean, he's still got that high max exit velo, right? And so he's still got that potential. You know, the barrel rate was, was higher. It actually wasn't – the thing about him is the barrel rate per batted ball event wasn't actually that high the previous year, but he just put so many balls in play that the actual mm-hmm. volume is there. And I think that's much more the approach. And I think this is what I thought last year heading into drafts, which is he's a 20 to 25 home run guy you know, five to 10 stolen bases, but I think the batting average is there. He's going to play every single day. He's going to be in the middle of that Arizona Diamondbacks lineup, which is not going to be great. You know, hopefully it won't be one of the worst lineups, but I think just with volume, with that batting average, I think there's a really solid floor there. So I don't mind taking him because I'm not too concerned that he's going to hurt me anywhere in particular. So really like the profile here, not wholly convinced that, you know, we're going to see a return to glory for the, batted ball quality, but I do think that the batted ball quality will be good enough so that that home run total will be 20 to 25, which is more than enough at second base with the stolen bases and the batting average and the counting stats he should provide. Yeah, I'm with you. He's not going to go back to that career year we saw, but I'm looking at a 25-plus home run guy, like you mentioned, with 10-plus steals, awesome average, middle of that Arizona lineup that not great, but still I think there's something to like there. Varshaw becomes something we think he can be. You still got Peralta, who's a batting average guy to get on base in front of him, hopefully, if they move the lineup around. You got Christian Walker, who's still very talented. So there's some pieces there that maybe they make a move or two. We'll see. They've made a lot of interesting moves to begin with to sell guys, like starting Marte. That's a whole other podcast. But I think there's a lot to like here. And the floor alone with some upside is why I have them over question marks like BGO, Lau, and Hira at, at the second base position. So that's kind of. Where I'm looking at that is I agree I don't see the monster season we saw a couple of years ago. I see a much better season and get him around pick 90. So now you're talking end of round six. Maybe he drops into round seven at a very shallow position. That becomes more of a, a stomachable um, pick to make at second base. All right. I, I yeah. speak, speaking of Peralta, just to add, I don't know if you saw the – the oh, video yes. of him, my God. like the 25-pound weight or whatever it was, and just flicking it with his wrist and 
and you know what, you know what that you know, I was like, why can't you hit more home runs? I was about to say that that exercise should be getting that quick wrist muscle to just pop them out. But like, stop hitting fifty percent plus ground balls. Get a little pop, dude. Come yeah, on. I, hope, I hope the next exercise involves a broomstick swinging it straight up in the air over and over again. But um, something along those like muscle memory, something dot dot dot. But <laughs> um, yeah, the eighth second base went off the board. Max Muncie, first base, second base, third base eligible. Around pick one hundred. This is a guy I never draft. I never like. I just never have anything good to say about him. I understand he walks a lot. He hit for 35 home runs back-to-back years. He's got 30 homer upside. He just There's just something about Max Muncy, not not the blue and the white that he wears, not that. There's just something sure. about Max Muncy. Definitely not that. It's definitely, definitely not that. That does, it doesn't do it for me, so I never own or roster Max Muncy. So I'll let you have the floor. Do you have anything good? Like I know you usually like Max Muncy, so what's your thoughts on Max Muncy? Yeah, I mean, I normally don't draft Max Muncy where he's going just because the profile isn't necessarily what I'm looking for. Like, the batting average isn't going to be great. Uh, the stolen bases really aren't going to be there either. But I do think it's a pretty solid floor profile, right? I mean, he's got that multi-position eligibility, which is really nice. Um, and he, you know, he gets on base. He's going to score a ton of runs. He plays every day, or he has been, you know, uh, he did this season, even against lefties, like, He's very good, and the reason why he wasn't that as good this year is because the Babbitt was so unbearably low. You know, but you know, again, he's he's not he's on the wrong side of thirty now. Um, you know, and he doesn't have that batting average of speed, so I just don't see myself taking him really. Um, and that's not to like discount the importance of home runs and runs and RBI, but again, just at this point in time, I don't I don't feel great about it, but I can see where, why people would take that. Like if you built a really nice batting average floor and stolen base uh, floor or not floor foundation, you know, batting average and stolen bases. And you're just kind of looking for a guy that's Mr. Consistent, you know, is going to get you runs RBI and home runs. Then I think he's a solid, he could be a solid choice with maybe a little position flexibility. So I think that's fine, but um, you know, I probably won't be getting him in too many places. I was hoping he'd be penalized more for that batting average, but people are too smart now. Yeah, no, he's going much higher than I expected him to be. I expected, like, yeah, maybe 140-ish, give or take, or something like that. So I, I was very surprised by that as well. Batting average, he's, he's always – well, not always, but he seems to be lower than what people really expect from him. Like, last year was really bad, but even before that, 240-ish or something. He's His steamer's 232, so it's still not uh, out of this world great. He's getting older, like you said. He's getting banged up a lot more, it seems like. Just uh, in the last couple of years, the Dodgers always have a lot of options if something goes wrong. So there's just so many question marks that I just, I just avoid it. Um, you can find power at different spots. The batting average hits just something I don't want to take uh, if I can avoid it, especially with some of the guys earlier we talked about and some of the next group of second basemen we're going to talk about where the average is much, much better and uh, we can get popped somewhere else if you need to. I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't really want to go to second base looking for an average dump where you can find that later in the outfield or at certain corner infield positions, but they offer you something else. Like I, I want to maximize each position for something good. If you're not getting stolen bases at second base, at least get some batting average. He doesn't really help you either, and that, that kind of hurts me as my philosophy when looking at it. Um, the ninth second baseman off the board, the New York Mets second base, third base, outfield eligible pick 101, Mr. Jeff McNeil is getting uh, up the board here last year. If you look at his overall numbers – a lot of it resembles that 2018 season 
where he hit like three to four home runs, not the 2019 powerful surge season. Still had four homers last year in 60 games, so he's going to probably hit you 10 to 12 homers in a full season, but not the massive year he had in 2019, but still a solid average. Sets the table for the Mets. Uh, what's your tape on Jeff McNeil? Yeah, I really like McNeil a lot. Um, I think with the price, you know, you're getting a little bit of a discount from last year. Um, I just think that the batting average is going to be there. Um, he's a great batting average guy. The power is a little bit of a question mark, but he's one of these guys who like uh, you draft him and you're pretty confident he's not really going to hurt you, you know, because he's going to contribute that batting average. You know, if he gets between 15 and 25 home runs and if he gets between, you know, five and, and 10 stolen bases, right, with that batting average and with that Mets lineup, which I think is going to be very, very good next year. I mean, it's already been a good lineup. I think it's going to get even better next Especially year. with JTR there. With JTR there, maybe Lindor there. You know, you just – you never know what's going to happen. And so with, with all of that, I mean, I think my only concern with him is plate appearances. I think he's obviously going to play every day, but – the question is, where in that lineup does he hit? Because they had him hitting seventh or eighth, you know, for for a part of last season. And so if he's in that one or two spot, I mean, that's gravy. That's golden. He's hitting seventh or eighth, a little bit of a concern. But again, you know, I think the skills are enough to carry that. And so I do feel pretty good about, about McNeil. I think he'll be one of my more owned second basemen this year. Um, just because I like that, I like that profile. It's it's one where the ceiling is pretty high because that batting average and the floor is pretty pretty low because of that batting average and because he does a little bit of everything. Um, and so I do like that pick. Uh, I, I like that pick a lot. Yeah, he's a very strong accumulator. Gets a little bit of everything. Uh, the steamer projections kind of surprised me a bit. You know, they give him the 19 homers, which may be steeper than most want to give him. Eight stolen bases, not bad. Only a 285 average, which would be the lowest in his career by a long shot. Last year's 311 was the lowest of his career. So that would be interesting to uh, see how Steamer plays out next year. Still 285, 19, eight, stoles, eight steals, 85 runs, or 87 runs, 74 uh, RBIs. It'll still be a strong, strong season, opening in all five categories. So I don't hate it. I've never been all in on McNeil, uh, but I, I understand solid, solid floor. So no complaining from me at all. When it comes to Jeff McNeil, it's just uh, it's curious when you look at his overall his ISOs, his contact rates, like barrel rates, almost identical, hard hit rates even lower than 2018. Like the comparisons of 2018 and 2020, they're very tight, very very tight. So it's interesting to see where that power actually comes from. Because I think I've said it too many times on the show, but in 2019, the second half of the year, more home runs, less batting average. First half, no home runs, basically all the batting average. So it seems like he has one approach or the other. He hasn't really combined them yet. So it'll be interesting to see where that uh, all comes to fruition, maybe in 2021. All right. Last but not least, the 10th second baseman off the board in the NFBC draft champions drafts. Seattle Mariners second base outfield eligible. Dylan Moore, pick 107. Moore had a monster uh, season for the Mariners after a, an okay 2019 bad batting average, but you saw a little power, a little speed. Uh, this past year, K rate dropped six percent. Batting average jumped to two fifty five. Showed some more power. Still twelve stolen bases in thirty eight games. Eight home runs. Outstanding stuff. And the projections, batting average is still dreadful, but power's there, speed's there. He's going to get on base for the Mariners, but that batting average is a massive hit. It's uh, it's Max Muncy esque, minus the power, but more steals. 
So what's your thoughts on Dylan Moore being the 10th second baseman off the board? Yeah, Moore's, Moore's definitely interesting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you think about the fact he's had 441 plate appearances in his career, and he has 23, home, 23 stolen bases and 17 home runs. You know, I mean, that's that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it's just uh, – it is very interesting. I mean, he's kind of the combination of those two years. The 222 batting average seems pretty low to me. Um, he had a 33% strikeout rate in 2019, you know, and so that's probably weighing in some. But if you look at the actual contact metrics, you know, he had a 74.6% contact rate um, in 2019 and then a 74.3% contact rate this year. So he actually had a better contact rate in the year that he had a 6% higher, you know, swinging strike rate or, or strikeout rate. And so that doesn't really line up to me. So I think 2020 is probably a better reflection of, you know, who, who he is and, and, and maybe how good he is. We know the Mariners are super aggressive on the basis so that could continue. I think my only concern a little bit is that, you know, he's older. He's not, uh, he's 28 already, you know, which again is not old, but like, he's not, I think a part of their future moving forward. Um, at least I don't think so. Um, and so I do have a little bit of a concern about, you know, him getting moved somewhere else where I think his value would go down considerably, but I can certainly see taking a chance on him right here. It's not like necessarily a premium pick. It is pretty high up there, but it's a lot of speed and a lot of power, um, combination and, and possibility. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I think I'm going to have to delve in maybe a little bit deeper because, Gains and max exit velo and exit velo overall. The barrel rate obviously um, was nice. Lowered the lowered the launch angle hard hit rate up as well. So a lot of good a lot of good trends there. Um, and the walk rate is solid too. So and and the yeah, I mean the O swing's really good. So maybe I'm yeah, selling myself on Dylan more. Contact rate's good. He did a lot of things well. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, he's interesting, what? and I love the power speed upside. It's like if he can just hit 250, he's got a 2020 upside. Like he really does, oh, yeah. which is which is crazy to think about at pick 100 at second yeah. baseball positions. Like, hmm. uh, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting dilemma to have. Like maybe the floor is pretty bad. Hmm. Maybe he uh, hits hits rock bottom on us. Uh, he could get traded too, which is very like dealing dealing a uh, Mr. Depoto could make things interesting. It's, the Mariners are his fourth franchise since 2015. He's been traded all throughout the minor leagues. So um, it's either because he's really coveted or he's not that important. We shall see. But Man, um, am I, I going to own a lot of Dylan Moore this year, Bubba? Yeah, I don't know because we're going to talk about some guys on pick 11 through 20 that could change that. But uh, Dylan Moore is interesting. I'm not going to knock it. I think I think he could give uh, like a guy like a Tel Marte some even comps maybe. Um, that could be a fun one to see at the end of the year. I could tell Marte Dylan Moore comparison could be something to think about, but let's talk about a couple longer or 11 through 20 guys. We like you got Jose Altuve, Jonathan VR, Mike Moustakas, Tommy Edmond, Jake Cronenworth, Nick Solak, Nick Madrigal, Gavin Lux, Jerickson Profar, Andres Jimenez. Some very interesting names with, um, I'd say a lot of question marks for some of them, but uh, who's one of the guys for sure that you're looking at here in picks 11 through 20. Yeah, I mean, one guy that jumps out immediately is Altuve. Um, obviously, it's been a, a massive fall from grace for him, and he really struggled during the season. But, you know, if you combine his, you know, I think we've talked about this before, if you combine his 
his regular season with his postseason where he hit 375 with five home runs, you know, you get a 250 batting average, which isn't necessarily great, but again, you know, you're expecting him to finish higher than, than a 250 at this point. You have close to 40 runs. You have, you know, 25 RBI. I think the in 10 home runs, right. In, in, in about maybe a little bit more than a third of a season. And so the concern I think I have for Altuve is the stolen bases at this point. You know, how much are those going to be? He did have two stolen bases in the shortened season, but he also got caught five times, I think, um, including twice in the postseason with no stolen bases. Small sample sizes, but he's getting older. The stolen bases are drying up. I think it's it's hard to project him for more than 10. I think even projecting him for 10 seems a little steep at this point. So... You know, that's the only concern, but again, you're getting a huge discount. And I think we've seen the the ceiling before. And I think 2021 will probably be a kinder season to him just because there won't be as much pressure um, as 2020 coming off the controversy. So um, again, I, I think I'll probably have some Altuve just because I think the floor is pretty high. And I think the, the ceiling we've seen before. Yeah, I'm with you. Pick 112 is a really strong spot for him. The floor is outstanding, as you mentioned. Um, if fans are in the stands, that still could be interesting, but I don't think there'll be that many to uh, affect him in 2021. And that I'm actually surprised with the postseason that he had, I thought he'd get a bump. Like we saw a lot of the mock drafts during the playoffs. He was falling, falling, falling. I figured once we got into real drafts after the playoffs, we'd see him move up a little more. 11 second base off the board is not nearly what you'd expect from Mosey Altuve, a guy that was a second or third round pick last year. Like that is a fall from grace. So I think that's one of those guys you could look at. I I, I, keep, I think I mentioned it on this show, if not a different show, that Ryan Bloomfield a couple like a week or so ago started his first. I think it was a draft champions or an FBC fifty. I think probably draft champions, and he showed like his first seven or eight picks. And if this was 2019's off season, it would look like the greatest draft in the history of uh, baseball because all these guys that have been falling. He has basically just kept taking them and taking them and taking them. So Altuve just definitely fits that mold. So it'll be very interesting to see how that turns around for him. Um, my first guy, he's first base, second base, shortstop eligible. He's going to pick 163, and I'm going to have way too much Jake Cronenworth this year if he keeps being drafted at that point in time. Uh, I know some people think I'm crazy. I understand he slowed down the second half of the season, but the fact that um, he still hit 285, four homers and three stolen bases in 54 games, uh, walked 9.4% of the time, struck at only 15.6%. He's always had a low strikeout rate and a decent walk rate. He's hit for a good batting average um, off and on in the minors. That's kind of been one of those fluctuating parts. But the last couple of years, it's been pretty solid. And he's got the power speed throughout the minors. And that's something that I really, really like. In 2019 alone, 10 homers, 12 steals, hit 334 in AAA. I don't expect 334, but I'll take 285 right now. Uh, projections happen for 273, 11, and 11. Uh, I think that's a good floor. I think it's actually can be better than that. Uh, he had a 10.5% barrel rate last year with a uh, 40, almost 43% hard hit rate. Again, the walk rate and the strikeout rates, I like a ton. There, there's just a lot to like about Cronenworth, and if they keep hitting them between like Tatis and Machado, like they were for a while, you give them a full season of that. I think part of the slumps last year was the growing pains. They still let them hit versus uh, lefties, which was big. They moved him around to keep him in the lineup. He's just got a really good hit tool. His contact rates were, were pretty darn strong. His own contact last year was almost 90% uh, in, in his short tenure. Even his um, chase, he didn't. He only chased 19% of the time. That shows really, really strong play discipline, especially for a 26-year-old guy in his first stint in the uh, major leagues. 
So I like him a lot. A 44.8% ground ball rate and only an 18.9% fly ball rate. If he can tweak that at all, it would be tremendous, obviously. Captain Obvious stuff there. But that shows you how big of a, a growth he can make. Um, even with all that still hitting the way he hit, I think is great. And that speed he brings at pick like 155 or whatever it was, 160, I think it's tremendous. So I'm going to have a lot of Jake Cronenworth at that point. I know I'm really high on him, higher than most. I have him like as my fifth, second baseman off the board. But um, that's, that's probably way too high for many. I get it. But I really am a believer in what he can do. And he's still young and developing. If he can get it to click, he's a 2020 type guy. Basically, at, at pick 150, that's what, 10th round in a 15-team league? That is outstanding to me. Yeah, I think you might have convinced me. Um I like Cronenworth a lot. I love the skills, like you mentioned. I mean, exceptional plate discipline, exceptional contact skills. He's got the du- the multi-position eligibility as well. Um, you know, and I think what I was most concerned about was kind of there was a lot of there was a lot of skills and not a lot of production necessarily. You know what I'm saying? Like, but if you look at it, he had 15 barrels last year. Yep. And only four of them went for home runs, right? Yep. Typically, you'd see that over fifty yep. percent. So he was he was probably unlucky there. I'd be interested to see some like expected home run metrics, things like that, um, for him. I might have to check that out for Max Freeze. You know, he stole he only stole you know three bases, but again, he's got that speed and he gets on base a ton. Um, so there's definitely a lot to like, and the batting average is going to be high. You know, and I just if, want, you, if you miss on Jeff McNeil, here's your mini Jeff McNeil. It's like a mini Jeff McNeil with maybe a little bit more pop too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Better lineup for sure. Better lineup, but he's going to be batting later in the lineup probably. Uh, let me maybe double maybe check. Maybe. I, just, I just went off his page. He was hitting early in the lineup last year. At least most because I mean you got around a lot. You got Tatis leading off probably. You know, you got Grisham leading off. You got Tatis batting third, uh, second. Machado yeah, he, batting third. He batted Oscar six or seven a lot. Yeah, it was six um, or seven. And you have Myers batting fifth, and then you have Fam if healthy batting sixth. Mm-hmm. So he's probably capped out at seven. The, yeah, so last again, last year he hit fifth through seventh most of the time, fifth, sixth, or seventh. Yeah, which isn't awful, you know, because opportunity for a lot of RBI, potentially stolen bases, right? Um, and then you got Nola, you know, it's just like such a deep lineup that they're going to have there. So I, uh, yeah, I could, I could see it. I could definitely see it. I can, I can totally understand your interest and maybe I'm a little bit more interested after hearing you talk about that than I would have been before, because I think a lot of what he didn't do last year was results oriented. It wasn't skills oriented. It was results oriented. And I think that's where you can get some value. So Mm-hmm. Certainly, um, very interesting guy to consider, especially where's he going? One fifty. Yeah, like one. Yeah, uh, I got it right here. One sixty-three. One sixty-three. So that's mm. uh, yeah, round eleven. Round eleven coming up in my draft. Yeah. <laughs> it's just he's interesting to me because you don't want to risk uh, wish injury on anybody, but say somebody gets hurt towards the top of that order, like yeah. Trent Grisham, then. All of a sudden, you'd imagine Cronenworth would be one of the favorites to slide right on in there. And are, that, are you that saying that you want Trent Grisham to get injured? I no, because I like Trent Grisham a lot too. That, 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 I guess it shows you how deep this roster is. You almost want yeah. to, it's the ill dreaded can you back uh, Cronenworth or Grisham, pick your poison? 
one ninth and one first with no DH now, that could be tremendous. Can you one of those two go there? But um, yeah, that's a whole other discussion. Do you have any worry about playing time? Because I Profar, don't. Profar actually was pretty good. I know he was playing in the outfield. Um, batting, he bat ninth. Nola bats eighth. Well, I have, a, I, have a, I have a I have a surprise for you. Um, Profar, if you look at roster resource, is a free agent this year. Oh, is he? Yes, because if you go to roster resources, Padres roster, there is no Jurix in Profar. They have Cronenworth batting seventh, playing second base. That's why I listen to this podcast <laughs> for, for breaking news like that. All right, I you know I'm digging Cronenworth a little bit more. I like it. I like it. He's a good. He's he's good. I mean, the skills are just like, oh my god! Are you kidding me? Look at this guy. Hmm. <laughs> But, my problem is I want Polanco so badly. You know, Jorge Polanco, yeah. I think he's such a good value. You yeah, know, uh, I shouldn't have said value. that. I shouldn't have said that because people are going to listen to this and then draft him in front of me in my draft champions league. That should be a rule. If you listen to a podcast and you're drafting with the person, you're not allowed yeah, to take advantage him. of that information. I like that rule. Like It'll that never rule. happen, but I like that rule. <laughs> if you're listening to, about this and you're in one of my drafts and you're thinking about taking him, that is pure evil. Evil. That is Very pure evil. evil. Put this. I put this content out here. Well, actually, Bubba's the one who's putting this Jake Cronenworth <laughs> content out here. But like, I, we put this out here for you guys. You know, <laughs> out of the kindness of our hearts, and then you're going to use it against us in a draft. That's why. That's why I found out last year doing those two listener leagues. It's uh, brutal, brutal trying to draft in those leagues. Um, but who's your other guy? Pick eleven through twenty. We have actually the same players. So who? Why do you like we Tommy do. so much? Hmm. Well, Tommy Edmond, I mean, it's really just a situation where it's the profile. I mean, Colton Wong's gone, so he's the he's the leadoff hitter. I mean, he's the natural leadoff hitter. He's much better. He's a good OBP guy. He's a switch hitter, so you don't platoon him left, right. So he's going to get a ton of plate appearances if he if he's um, healthy. You know, the, the skill profile is great. You know, a lot of contact, good plate discipline. You know, the the batted ball quality isn't great, but he can make up a little bit of that with just compiling with the number of plate appearances that he gets. The Cardinals lineup isn't the greatest in the world, but, you know, they're top of the lineup, you know, DeYoung and, and Goldschmidt, and I think Dylan Carlson will probably be in there as well. You know, I don't think that's awful. So I think you're looking at a guy who can put up like 80 runs, 60 RBI, 15-15, you know, with a batting average that'll be better than league average. And I think at the spot that you're getting him with the positional flexibility and the potential um, higher ceiling because of the stolen base totals. I mean, he doesn't have 600 plate appearances yet in the big leagues, and I think he has 17 stolen bases. So he's definitely a guy who'd go 15-20, um, which would be fantastic at this spot right here. Yeah, I like Tommy Evans a lot. You mentioned pretty much all of it, and I love that eligibility, second base, third base, shortstop, outfield. He's going to be playing every day, like you said, leading off most likely. Um, he has kind of had a down year last year. I think that's what kind of dropped him off as people were really high on him going into last year. The Cardinals had a weird year. Like we keep saying, everything's like a case by case basis because of the COVID stuff. The Cardinals missed so much time and played so many double headers. These guys had to be exhausted, like absolutely exhausted trying to play. I know it's a game that we we say, oh, it's just a game. It's still a lot of work for these guys. Like don't don't play it off as it's not that difficult. So they had a ton of double headers. He still played in fifty two of the sixty games, so he was out there a lot. And they were traveling a ton without days off. Had to be a little tired. I, I got to give him a little benefit of the doubt there. And I think this year should be a lot better barring something crazy. So 
I think I think the Cardinals in general you can get a lot of discounts. That's why I think Goldie, we talked about him last week. I know the power numbers dropped off, but he could be big. Uh, you got Edmonds. I love Dylan Carlson coming in there. There's a lot of interesting ways to look at the Cardinals uh, coming up this year. Yeah, and they're still in bases, I think, you know, really dried up across the board. And I, I do think that what you mentioned about the schedule and just physically it being very difficult on them as a team um, may have played a part in there. So, I w- you know, because I think they went from being one of the teams that stole the most in the previous year. Um, part of it is personnel, but they had pretty much the identical personnel that they had that the, in previous years. So I think the stolen bases will return. Yeah, it will be quite interesting. All right, 21 and beyond. Who are some of the later round targets you are looking at at second base? Because the one thing I will mention before you get going is um, there's some interesting later round options, especially if you're looking to fill certain categories. Usually your middle infield will be shortstop already, so you're probably not going to take a lot of these guys from middle infield. But there's some conversations to be had, to say the least. So uh, who are some of the guys you're looking at? For sure. Um, So I'll go one by one just to give you an opportunity, just in case we have similar guys. Um, ADP, I think right now is around 322, uh, Starlin Castro. Um, again, you know, he's, 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 I think he's over 30 at this point in time in his career, but I really liked him heading into last year. He's in a really good situation with the nationals. Um, you know, he's got, he's going to be batting, you know, he's essentially going to be, I think probably in the top two there. Right. Um, you know, that you're going to have Eaton's Eaton's gone. Um, so you're going to have Turner leading off you know, and him batting second, maybe followed by Soto. Um, so I really like that spot. And, you know, he makes a ton of contact, played disciplines. Okay. Was elevating the ball a little bit more. So I think he's just going to be the type of guy who hits like, you know, 280 with 20 home runs, maybe a little bit of stolen bases, you know, 80, 80 or something like that. Just like totally basic, but um, but really nice, and with with the ceiling for more, especially in the batting average um, department. So uh, I just think going where he's going, he's the same guy that he was. He just got injured uh, heading into last year, and he's down a uh, hundred point, a hundred spots in ADP. So I really like that. Yeah, a big Starling Castro fan as well. I think he's a phenomenal like best ball pick if you want to have him on your roster for one of the, our draft and hold, even like you guys are talking about because. You might not need to take him in a regular draft. As like I said, you might not need a middle infielder or whatnot. And he's so late, he might be a free agent on your waiver wire. But I think he's a phenomenal choice, as you mentioned, uh, and a heck of a deal at this point in time. Uh, one of the guys I like, he's going to the 21st second base, and he's second base and third base eligible. I'll pick 206, and that's Gene Segura. Uh, projecting right now to hit fifth in the Phillies lineup, a very good Phillies lineup. Hit 266 last year, seven homers, two steals. Prior to that, though, he had double-digit homers and steals for four straight seasons. Um, he had 20 or more stolen bases each year from 2013 to 2018. Uh, Steamer has him for 280, 16, and 10, plus 77 and 74. Uh, the strikeout rates last year at 20.7 was the worst by far in his career. So that could be something to monitor. But I think getting out of the East full-time will help a lot with his uh, overall offensive production. And just a, a full year in Philly, you know, he's had a couple years in Philly. But last year was kind of a, in flux with some of the moves they made. Reese was playing bad. Uh, JT was huge, obviously, and he won't be obviously. there. Obviously, yeah, but he obviously. won't be there anymore. I'd be shocked if he's back. But uh, I think Gene Segura is one of those guys. If you look at projections and what you can believe in with him, kind of a down year last year, but still in fifty-four games, seven homers, two stolen bases. Maybe he sneaks into a you know fifteen to twenty homers, maybe close to ten steals in that run. Very doable for Gene Segura. 
and at pick uh, past 200, like a potential 20-10 type guy or 15-10 type guy with a solid batting average and helping you. He's basically a five-category contributor at pick 200 in the grand scheme of things at second base. So I think he's a, a nice later-round value. If you miss out on some of the early guys, you just want to wait at second base, I don't mind Gene Segura. Who's another guy for you? So the next guy I have is – actually, I think I think a guy that you like a lot. Maybe I'll skip him just to see if you have him. Are you I, having? I do you do. have him on there too? You do? do. Okay, I'll yes. give him to you because I know you're on him <laughs> first. Um, so th- I have Jonathan Scope on here. Um, you know, depending on where he ends up, obviously, I believe he's a free agent um, this year. Let's see. Um, yeah, he's he's going to be a free agent this year, but he was really good for um, for the Tigers last year. You know, 278 batting average, eight home runs, and only 177 plate appearances. And so he was just kind of, he's kind of the guy that he has always been. And he had a rough 2019, I think, with the Twins, just because he didn't really get as much of an opportunity. But he kind of showed that he's still um, that guy. Um, He's 29, so, you know, still in his prime. So depending on where he lands, if he gets an opportunity to play every day, you know, like returning to, to Detroit or something like that. Um, yeah, where he's going in drafts, I think, uh, for a power hitting second baseman who's not going to hurt you in batting average, I think that's solid. Yeah, he's always an interesting one for sure. Uh, the guy you were mentioning that I like later in drafts, I think could be a massive upside. He's picked 300 basically, 29th second baseman off the board. Should play every day for the Seattle Mariners now that he's got traded from San Diego, and that's Ty France. I, I love the plate discipline with Ty France. He hit 305 last year in 43 games. Throughout the minors, he's been like a 280 to 300 hitter. So that's been a legit consistent thing. There's definite pop there. Uh, in AAA uh, in 2019, at 27 homers combined. So he combined for 34 that year. He combined for 22 the year before. The powers continued to develop with him. Last year, only four homers. I think that's a lot because you saw his fly ball rate drop tremendously last year. Ground ball rate dropped to 38.5%, which is nice, but fly ball dropped to 19.2. Get the fly ball to go some more because he pulls the ball a ton. That could work in his benefit. A strong barrel rate of 8.7%. That was an increase from 5.9. Keep working on that. Uh, the hard hit rate dropped a bunch as well. So there, there's a few question marks, but overall, his contact skills are great. Um, just the overall package of what Ty France can do at the plate, batting average-wise, and the upside for power. Epic 300 in a Seattle lineup that – is sneaky interesting. They're very young and very interesting. He should be hitting towards the middle of that lineup. I think there's a lot to like there if you're looking for a late, late power source at the position. Um, not going to help you a ton in, in steals, but decent average, good power, helping the other, basically a four-category guy. I like Ty France a lot. Uh, what would you like to add about Mr. France? No, I mean, I think you covered it. I mean, he's he's like uh, – it's interesting, you know. It's like they, they traded him after Jake Cronenworth – kind of blew up, you know, and it's a, it's a similar profile. I think Cronenworth is certainly better, but, you know, just solid all around, solid plate discipline, you know, above league average contact rate. And he's got, you know, decent max exit below. He's got decent um, average exit velocity. You know, the hard hit, hit rate wasn't, wasn't that stupendous, but we know he's got it. And so you have a guy who, who, if he puts it all together, could be a really strong contributor. Even when you look at his projection right now, that steamer, has him at, you know, he's projected for let for slightly more than 400 plate appearances. And I do think that he'll be an everyday guy for them. They want to see what they have in him. And so if that's the case and you bump that up to 600 plate appearances, you're talking about 
you know, um, 20 plus home runs, you know, closer, closer to five stolen bases, um, you know, 70, 70 with a batting average that won't necessarily hurt you. So I think where he's going in drafts, he's definitely a nice upside play and a, and a guy who can compile with, with plate appearances playing every day in, in Seattle in an improving lineup. Like you mentioned, like a, an interesting and improving, I really like what they're doing there. I was down on DePoto pretty hardcore, um, especially living in Seattle and the Seattle area for a number of years in Washington and following them. I just felt like he was always trading and didn't really have a plan, but I feel like you can't really have handled the rebuild better than he has where they've got these just strong hitters coming up. They maybe don't have the pitching, but we know that they're, they, they do, they are starting to develop a track record of improving pitchers throughout the minors and kind of turning guys into interesting folks um, and so I'm really intrigued to see what they, 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 they do this year. I think it could be a big year for them. Well, and the, the other thing is you can do, you're doing it like the Blue Jays did and, and the Cubs did and kind of the Rays, but develop the young bats that are affordable and pay for your pitching. That's fine. Probably. You can do that. And that they're, they're going to do that pretty well here pretty soon. So like that would have been a fun one to get like Drew Smiley and Charlie Morton instead of the Braves. Why didn't they go there? That could have been fun. Hmm. Um, Not but, yet. Yeah. Next year or the year That's after true. that is when – our favorite pitcher, Drew Smiley, will go over there with his there two Cy Young awards in hand. <laughs> I can't believe people took you seriously on that, too. You have the asterisk and everything. Um, I know. He's going to get one Cy Young vote. vote. Drew Smiley is going to get one Cy Young vote. It'll be and like 10th place. But he's going to get it. And that's that's Toby bearing the lead. Apparently, he's got a Cy Young vote next year. So I do. I do. I do. <laughs> Baseball Records of, uh, Association of America. I'm not really part of that, unfortunately. Uh, any uh, any other long shot or later round guys like you know your boy John Birdie's there if you want steals Garrett Hampson's always interesting because if he ever plays it's great but he's right there with Ryan McMahon. oh for sure I mean that's the yeah. thing about this guy like Hampson right there is like you know that that's the spot where I feel pretty good about taking a Hampson right at two seventy with what he's been able to do if they move Arenado then maybe the spot opens up you know at second base or you know in the outfield. You know, maybe they get a brain there, you know, uh, or whatever in, in, in Colorado. So I definitely think that he's a, he's a guy. I mean, you know, I think there's a lot of interesting later guys. I mean, uh, Ryan McMahon has fallen considerably, you know, 80 spots after a tough year. But again, you know, it's a shortened season and he's a young guy and development isn't linear, right? Um, Tommy LaStella at 293. I mean, talk about a really excellent profile. If he returns to the A's or he goes somewhere and he's the leadoff hitter with that plate discipline, with that contact approach and a little bit of pop, like he's an excellent guy to add. Um, Robinson Cano, don't draft him. Yeah. Um, you know, Luis Arias, again, you're not paying like a top 200 pick for him this year. Now he's going around 350 and he was just injured. We know he's going to hit for, for batting average. Luis Urias, again, he's going to play every day. He's got multi-position eligibility. You know, you're paying a pick 400 for him. Like he, he could always take a step. Nico Goodrum, you know, 433, everybody's favorite multi-position eligibility guy that, you know, um, you know, it, it never really hurts you anywhere. Adam Frazier, 484. So I think Chad Pinder, I really like Chad Pinder this year and David Bodie. You know, so I think there's a lot of like guys to take a stab on later on in drafts that could be something, you know, and I think it'll be really key like to be able to pounce. I mean, 
Pinder is a guy that I've just been waiting for him to get an opportunity to play every day because he hits the ball really, really hard. And he did that the second half of last year in particular and in the playoffs. And you just want him to get that chance to play every day and not just be the platoon guy against lefties. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see if that ever happens in Oakland, at least. I'm sure at some point in time, he'll, if he's good enough, he'll get that opportunity. But, um, so there are some interesting names. How about you? I'm sorry. I kind of hogged no, it fine. there. Not, you, you, you hit some of them, but like Colton Wong, depending on where he signs at 343, could be a steal oh, for him. That's a big one. A Hanser Alberto, I don't, I really don't sure why he's going to 365. His batting average is tremendous. A little bit of pop as well. I'm sure he doesn't like help you a ton in power and speed, but uh, hitting early in that Baltimore lineup, they'll score a lot of runs. That's an interesting one at 365. Uh, Luis Garcia had a nice little run there in his rookie campaign with Washington at 407. He has my attention at that point in the draft. And you mentioned the trades for Garrett Hampson. If that all works out for Hampson, Brendan Rodgers at 463 could be someone to take a stab at later in drafts too. So there is a lot of interesting guys, and you can kind of make arguments for a few more, but I'm not going to go farther down the list. There's a, a lot to – it almost makes you wonder if you don't want to get one of the top second basements, you just say screw it and wait. Um, that That's going to be a, an interesting draft strategy going forward. But uh, let's hit up some listener questions here at the wonderful second base position. And we will start with um, Governor of Givener. He asked, are we counting on a rebound from Altuve? Steamer still seems to like him. I think we're pretty much in a, agreement that he's going to be definitely better than last year. Should be a, 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 a nice improvement. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't think, you know, we're going to see um, Altuve of old, but, you know. 280 batting average, 25 home runs, five to 10 stolen bases, and and some really good counting stats. Kidding, you know, maybe he'll bat, bat leadoff now instead of Springer, right? Now that Springer's gone, and then you're going to have Bregman after him. You're going to have Alvarez. You're going to have Tucker. You know, you're going to have plenty of, of, of boppers there. So, yeah, like him. Our buddy Dave Petrosiello, we actually hit on this pretty good on the we did, game, but uh, we'll hit it again. Is uh, yep, is Ozzy Albies worth the price? I know Toby won't take him with this pocket aces strategy, but I'm tempted. Love that lineup in the bags he gives. Plus, if Ozuna doesn't sign there, might he hit behind Freeman? Yeah, we like Ozzy Albies. <laughs> Best way I can play. it. Like Do you think he's worth we the like price him. though, Toby? Um, I think it's hard. I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't draft him where I well. Actually, let me let me just check really quickly. Like who's going, who's going around him? You probably want him more. You probably want him more back of the third round, not early third round. Yeah, let's see. So he's he's now going at an ADP of thirty one point three three, which I think is reasonable. I'd rather Albies than uh, than Robert. I'd rather Albies than Scherzer. I'd rather Albies than Lemayhew. Um, Mondesi is a tough one. I'd rather Albies than Seager, though. I mean, Seager's yeah. going way. Talk about a guy, Scott. Hey, holy moly. That's something for sure. Would you rather Ozzy Albies so, or Tim Anderson? Um, I think Albies because of the position. Um, because of the position. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Tim Anderson is a guy I'm struggling with a little bit, honestly, because I think I loved him where he was going previously, you know, when he was around like when he was in the 50s, 60s. Um, at pick 33, the little rich, I mean, I like, I, I like him. Like the batting average is great. He's got the power speed combo. He's got the runs. So I should be more enthralled about it, but 
I don't know. There's something about the Larusa thing that's rubs me a little bit the wrong way. And also, like, he hasn't been able to be, stay healthy, Anderson, for a full season in a while. Um, let me just verify that I'm not making stuff up. I don't think he's ever – has he reached 600 plate appearances before? Oh, he did in 17-18. But, like, 518 in, in 2019, you know, 221 um, was, was solid, but he was injured last year again. So I should really be into him. I really should. Um, I'm just, there's something I just can't, I don't know if I can pull the pull. I'm not sure if I can follow through it on right there because the thing is, it's like Tim Anderson at 33, you have JT round Muto. No, just kidding. (laughs) I mean, you know, you know, like, like I like Eloy more, more, I think than Tim Anderson, even though Eloy doesn't have the speed. I think Eloy could be an absolute monster, right? Like, could we be surprised if Eloy hit like 320 with 45 bombs, 100 runs, and 140 RBI next year? Like, you know, not really. Like, because he, if he's healthy, he could be the best hitter in baseball almost. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I got to think about that one. I got to think about that one a little bit and figure out what I believe. That's definitely um, one of the interesting price bumps. Uh, Dave's other question, also assuming Starling Castro's wrist is okay, his current price is lower than last year. I liked him last year and love him at this price as I still think the gains in the second half of 2019 are real. Well, Dave, we 100% agree with you there. So totally. jump all over that one. Um, Art, our buddy, Mr. Cheesecake himself from the Triple Play Fantasy podcast, Dear B&B, look, we're getting Bubba in the bath of the week. We're getting uh, abbreviations now, B&B. This is just getting so much fun. Um, he's concerned over how much he likes Profar's value. Is it true love, or will he just break my heart again, signed muddled in Maryland? Mm-hmm. Um, I love his price. Like I've dug into him quite a bit. I see where uh, Art's coming from, uh, Mr. Cheese is coming from. Uh, I get it a ton. Two things for me, and I'll let you have the floor here. I want to see where he signs. That's a big part because of the playing time going to be there. Um, pick 202 for a guy with that showed the power and speed he showed. He's still kind of young. Like There's a lot to like with him. So I want to see where he signs, and then that will help me kind of see where he fits in like the lineup and those kind of factors that will make him uh, really worth the situation because it's like, do I take him at 202 or do I take Gene Segura at 206 where I know what I'm getting from him? So I understand his love affair. I need to see who the mistress is first. So what's your thoughts on that? Jerks and Profar. Yeah, I don't know if I can get there on <laughs> Profar. I mean, the thing is, you know, he hit 278 this year, which was the highest that he's hit over the course of any season. You know, he hit seven home runs, only had five barrels, right? So that's a little bit tricky. You know, the seven stolen bases is nice, so the place where he ends up should be nice. But, you know, highest BABIP of his career, he's always struggled with BABIPs, although his, his, his expected BA was, was 284, right? So it's not like he got super lucky. He always has a strong contact rate, always decent plate discipline. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it depends where he ends up. Certainly, you know, um, I worry a little bit about the batting average, but if he's playing every day and, I mean, you look at his projection, you know, 20 Home runs, 11 stolen bases, 249, 71, 71 doesn't seem all that um, 
all that ridiculous to to consider. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think he's fine. I think there's other guys I like more going. You said he's going around pick two hundred. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's guys that I just like a lot more than him. Um, going in that spot, maybe not necessarily in second base, but um, you know, I, I think there's other guys that I would want to would want to grab at that point in time. But yeah, I, I really want to see where he goes. Like, say he goes to Yankee Stadium. That's interesting to me. Could be a long shot. I'm just like throwing yeah. ideas out there. Um, now, if he goes to the Cardinals, I don't know so much anymore. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking Colton Wong to the Yankees. I've heard that. Oh, mention. that'd be amazing. Colton yeah, Wong leading off. He might the actually Yankees. be able to have power. You know, oh man, leading uh, off for the Yankees, going at pick. Let me scroll down again because it's down there. Pick three forty three right now. That could be a steal of drafts if you draft early. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's like you draft in Profar at his price right now. I mean, Josh Donaldson is right in front of him. Um, Andres Jimenez, who I like, just from like a purely, you know, I think he can do the power speed thing at least a little bit with with some batting average. Gene Segura, you mentioned. McCutcheon. Um, you got some nice relief pitcher stabs right there. So I don't hate it, but um, I don't necessarily love it. Yeah, it's tricky. Like I, I, I get where he's at. It, there's just a lot that needs to fall in the right place to make it worth it. Because I wasn't on him last year. Seven and seven was nice, but I'm with you. Like the barrels to home runs is not normally a, a serviceable stat the way he did it. So um, we'll have to kind of see how that all plays out. Uh, the last listener question from our buddy at SMMS79, frequent listener and question giver of the show, which we appreciate greatly. Do you think Nick Madrigal will see time in the top six of the Chicago lineup next year? What is – or let's start with that. Do you think Nick Madrigal will see time in the top six? Ugh, let me see where he's uh, – I don't think it's possible. No, uh, it's such a loaded lineup. I mean, let me see what – well, I roster mean, resource right now. They've got roster, they've got roster has been nine. second. They haven't been second. Adding second? Yeah. No. Which, it, which he's a table That's for. so he's, wrong. He's limited power. I can Absolutely. see it, but I think that's you all my Absolutely thought. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You cannot do that. Nick Madrigal is the number nine batter. Yeah, I was saying, I can see him batting ninth, the wraparound leadoff man, basically. He is, he's number nine to the T. Yeah. And I think that's ludicrous because the thing is, all last season, they had the same players and they were batting Mankata in second and Yasmani Gruntal second. Yeah. That's essentially what they did. You know, I think it was against righties. Um, Moncada was batting second against lefties. Grandal was batting second. And then against lefties, Eloy would go into the cleanup spot. Yeah. I mean, the thing is they've got those guys. And then I think they're also going to, they're going to get, um, Andrew Vaughn. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, if, depending on if they keep Eloy in the outfield, you add Andrew Vaughn to the equation. Right. And there's literally no, nowhere for him to go. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, they're going to sign like a Springer or somebody like that too, right? For the outfield, I mean, they've, uh, there's no way that's magical to me it, in a competent lineup. And again, Bruce is going to be the manager, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> but like in a competent lineup, I think there's no way that magical ends up there yep, because he just doesn't bring. I mean, he just no power doesn't bring anything. He doesn't even walk that. I mean, he's got a high batting average, but he doesn't even have an, that great of an OBP because no pitcher is going to want to walk him. Right? Yep. They're going to attack the hell out of him. Um. Yeah, 
No, I'm with you. I get it. The only way he bats second is because of Tony Larusa. Steamer has him projected for 20 stolen bases, which would be outstanding. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to be a believer in that. I think he makes for the old uh, unofficial second leadoff hitter batting ninth. I'm, I'm a big uh, agreement with you there. The other question from my buddy at MMS or MSS, he asks, how early would you take Kevin Biggio in an OBP league? Oh, in an OBP league, I'd have to run the valuations, but I imagine where he's going right now, like around pick 50 in, in five by five, like probably around there. Yeah, um, I don't, he's already going pretty high as it is. So it's going to be tough to move him up much more. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing is like last year, in OBPs, you could get him at a discount compared to what he would normally be because a lot of times people aren't people don't do the full translation from batting average to OBP because they're so used to the average five by five. But yeah, that can't happen this year. You're totally right on that. Besides, Bud was going to pick him up in bar for Sammy's going to pick him up in bar for whatever. Man, whatever. I can't wait to do barf again. Too bad we, I, we won't be able to do it in person this year, but I can't wait to do barf again. Well, we'll we'll see. I mean, you never know. We have no I'd idea be, how how things be are going to. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I'd be super shocked. I don't want to be. Um, yeah. I don't want to be disingenuously, um, you know, thinking that it's going to happen. It would be an absolute treat if it were able to happen, you know. But we'll see how the vaccine distribution and things like that happen. So. Yeah, and trust me, I've been Mister as optimistic as possible on everything along this line. But on that one, I'm pretty much in California. Maybe in another state, we would be able to do it. In California, probably. In another not. state, we would be able to do it right now. Yeah, exactly. California, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so, and maybe um, we can at least do it on Zoom. I think we will. I think we'll figure yeah. something out fun like that for sure. Like that's going to have to happen. So. We'll figure that out, but on the bright side, that ends our second base preview, which wasn't as painful as I thought it would be. It, uh, it's an interesting position. There's different strategies to it. Do you go early? Do you just wait and say, screw it, I'm going to roll the dice? I think it's a fun position for like your draft and hold type formats, your DCs, because that's one, if you do want to punt early and take like three guys late, you might have a formidable second baseman in there. That could be a strategy to use. So it, it's weird. It'll be it's gonna be fun when we redo second base in like February to see yeah. where guys sign Colton Wong signs and maybe Jerickson Profar and some other guys, maybe a few trades take place. It might change a little bit, but for now, what are your final thoughts on second base? Yeah, I mean it's a it's not a it's not a position that I love, but there's certainly some values. I think right around that pick one hundred spot, especially with some of the guys that that you mentioned. You know, kind of that 100 to 150 spot, I think, is a really nice place where you have, you know, you have your Marte, you have your McNeil, you have your um, Dylan Moore, you have your Altuve, you have your Cronenworth. You know, that's like a, a pretty nice, solid area to, to attack um, the position, I think. But, yeah, there's there's just not – it's just not a dynamic position. It doesn't seem like it. Um, so it's not a fun one to fill. Um, but – who knows? Maybe after this, maybe I'm a little bit more excited about it. Yeah, it's it's better than I thought it was compared to last year, but it still leaves a lot to be desired compared to other positions. That's the mm-hmm. best way I'll put it. But we'll uh, we'll be back with you next week. I think do you want to do shortstop or third base? I was going to ask you. I was going <laughs> to ask you the question. Um, it's after after Thanksgiving, full stomach. Let's do let's do shortstop. Let's just Very go get them. Wow. Let's do it. Uh, it down. Get a pot of coffee. We're going to go shortstop. It's going to be. Don't drink coffee anymore, Bella. Oh, you are a diligent, special individual. You uh, really are. Man, I haven't done coffee in like a year. 
That's why you mentioned I, it before. I, I do, I do, I do decaf. Like I'll have a decaf latte or whatever. But so you're just no caffeine. Try to cut period. it off. Yeah, you're a lucky man. You're a very lucky man. No, what am I doing? No, you're you're, you're living a healthy lifestyle. I am. So that's on Bubba and the Batflip sixty healthy lifestyle, Toby. Yeah, healthy. Right. <laughs> but uh, next for- next time on Bubba and the Batflip, we're going to take a look at healthy lifestyles with little guy Brandon Lau. There we go, little guy Brandon Lau. As Bubba brings out his caveman projections to tell you all about <laughs> yeah. this stuff. But all right, everybody, we'll just wrap it up there before we go on a, another tangent. Uh, you can check out Toby on Twitter at Batflip Crazy. I'm Matt BD Entry. Give both the shows a rate and review on iTunes. We'd much appreciate it. And we'll be back with you guys next week with your shortstop preview. But for now, second base is in the books. Catch you guys later.